0: Good morning. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm Jennifer Rigtrink with the State and Federal Affairs team at the Michigan Municipal League. Today I am joined by Michael Kane, the Boyne City City Manager, Jarl Brown, Housing North Executive Director, Chris Mannold, Saucatuck Township Fire District Deputy Chief and Fire Inspector, and Michael Zender, the Bavarian Inn Lodge General Manager. We are holding this news conference today to call attention to an issue that threatens the ability of local communities being able to decide what works best for their residents and their businesses. Lawmakers are currently debating two pieces of legislation, Senate Bill 446 in the Senate and House Bill 4722 in the House. Both of these pieces of legislation are in their respective committees, had hearings last week and are expected to be up for votes tomorrow and possibly see movement as soon um, as this week in their respective chambers. These bills impose a one-size-fits-all solution on Michigan communities when it comes to the regulation of short-term vacation rentals. Essentially, these bills allow for the unfettered use of regulating, of not letting locals regulate Residential properties, when it comes to someone buying up single family homes and turning them into vacation rental businesses, regardless of what the local needs are, when it comes to the context of the local housing stock and what needs to be done. Let me be clear we are not opposed to short term rentals. It's an important tool for attracting and accommodating visitors, especially in our destination communities who highly rely on tourism for their local economy. We're opposed to a big government one-size-fits-all solution. Locals need to be able to respond to their citizens and to their businesses if an issue should arise. For the past 15 months, we've heard a lot of banter about locals being able to having a local response to what's been going on um, for the last year. Yet this legislation similarly, similar, similarly focuses a top-down one-size-fits-all approach. You'll soon be hearing from representatives from across the state um, on why local regulation of short-term vacation rentals um, is important and what they're doing um, to add local context of why all of our communities are different and cannot be all treated the same in regard to this issue. I will now turn over uh, today's briefing to Boeing city manager, Michael Kane. Michael.
1: Thank you, Jennifer and good morning, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. As Jennifer mentioned, my name is Michael Kane, and I'm the city manager for the city of Boeing city. As a lakefront community in in the Northwest part of the lower peninsula, a good part of our economy thrives on visitors. Many of them like the option of short-term rentals when they're staying here, and we're fine with that. Choice is good. As Jennifer mentioned, not one size fits all. That has been the part of the, and having these choices and these options has been a part of the economy in Boyne City for many years. However, with the advent of easy to use internet options like vacation rentals by owners, Craigslist in recent years, we estimate that in Boyne City, we now have about 230 short-term rental properties, or just under 10% of uh, we have just under 10% of our overall housing units. We have a population of about 3,700 people, which means we have one short-term rental for every 16 people in our community. That's a lot of short-term rental properties. Boeing city does not currently have a short-term rental ordinance, but we're in the process of considering one. And we are a good example of what can happen when a short-term rental is allowed without any regulation. And like most things, it's a mixed bag with good and bad. The concern that many of us have is that when these mini hotels are allowed to operate uncapped and unregulated, the permanent housing stock of a community like ours can become hollowed out and diminished. And that's one thing that almost every community in Michigan is facing is the short-term housing issue. If allowed to go unchecked, the abundance of these uh, mini hotels or short-term rentals could reduce the availability of homes that people need to live, work in our community that they can afford. They would just be priced out of them, or they just certainly are certainly will just not be on the market. Any regulation that we might consider would need to balance the needs of our long-term residents. The people that live here, pay taxes and vote with those of our visitors and out of town or even out of area property owners who choose to rent their homes on a short-term basis. The language that's contained in Senate Bill 446 and House Bill 4722, would take away our ability and that of our citizens to create the balanced solutions we're hoping to achieve. And that's why we're urging legislators to vote no on this misguided regulation. Don't get me wrong. We're not opposed to any regulation on this matter. We're just opposed to this regulation, which takes our ability and that of all communities in Michigan away. And again, one size does not fit all. I want to touch on the fact that those supporting these bills like to argue that it's a personal property rights issue. And here's why that argument doesn't hold up. Short-term rentals are essentially a taking a residential property and turning it into a commercial use. Like I said, these are mini hotels. We do not allow daycares to operate unregulated. We do not allow people to operate auto maintenance shops or barber shops on others' homes. People do have rights. People that buy these homes in our community have rights and people that live next door to them in our community have rights as well too. And that's the balance that we're trying to achieve here in Boyne City. One for a long-term viable economy that makes it work for everybody involved. These bills do not provide for that. And just like limits on commercial uses, local governments need to have the right and the ability with their citizens and a community as a whole to set reasonable regulations on short-term rentals. There is no rush to, to come up with a solution on this. This is not a simple quick fix type of things. Whenever these discussions come up in most communities, they involve intense and long discussions. Good regulations requires local, much local discussion and input And while Boyne City is unique, much like Copper Harbor is in the Upper Peninsula or St. Joseph is in the Lower Peninsula, every community in Michigan is unique and they all need to have the ability to fine tune the solution to short-term rentals to their specific needs. And with that said, I'd like to turn it over to Yarrow Brown uh, to speak on this subject a little further Uh, Yarrow is with uh, Housing North, which is a nonprofit organization that is focused on addressing the shortage of housing in Northwest Michigan. So in a moment, I'll turn it over to Yarrow and let me just switch the camera on that. One moment, please. Now on my video feed, I'm just seeing the Michigan, the ML logo, I'm not sure if it's otherwise, but anyway, here is Yarrow.
2: Thank you, Michael, and good morning all. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Housing North is a nonprofit organization focused on addressing the barriers to housing in Northwest Michigan. And the fact is that right now we have a huge issue with affordable housing in our state. We don't have enough long-term housing in the state as of right now. We're blessed to have an abundance of natural beauty in Michigan, but the popularity and growth in tourism in beautiful Northwest Michigan has created a situation where many people cannot afford to live and work. Many residents struggle to make ends meet while living in housing that's too expensive for their budgets or they spend money on long-time commutes to and from their work and services. The growth in short-term rentals has certainly added to the tourism economy, but communities need to have solutions available to help them ensure there's enough housing for those who wish to live here and work full time. The bills lawmakers have in front of them bill to recognize the needs of Northwest Michigan are different from those from Southeast Michigan, which are different from the needs of the communities in the Upper Peninsula. We feel each community needs to have the ability to decide for itself on what regulations it needs to balance the housing needs of long-term residents versus those of short-term vacationers. These bills are a blanket solution when balanced local solutions will be much more effective. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Yarrow, appreciate your comments and I enjoy working with you on these housing issues. It's a lot of fun. Um, next, I'd like to introduce Chris Mantles. He's the Deputy Chief and Fire Inspector for the Sagatok Township Fire District, who will give you his professional
3: perspective on short-term rentals. Chris? Thank you, Michael, and uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, Like our other speakers, I too believe that short-term rentals play an important role in our community and bring tens of thousands of tourists to our area every year. Short-term rentals are a great thing, but they must be properly regulated. We began our short-term rental inspection program in 2010 with about 50 rental dwellings, and we now have almost 700 registered in our Tri-Community Fire District coverage area. At that time, we partnered with local vacation rental businesses and realtors to create the local ordinances to ensure they were fair, attainable, safe and equal for all. As a fire inspector, it's my duty to ensure that commercial properties are up to code and are being run safely. We are required by law to inspect hotels, bed and breakfasts and other commercial businesses to ensure they're safe for visitors. The vast majority of short term rentals in our community are basically nothing more than mini hotels catering to guests year round. I have personally inspected round dwellings where beds were added to walk-in closets with no egress windows to maximize profits for the home. What would happen if there was not an inspection program and this was allowed to continue? The bottom line is that Senate Bill 446 and House Bill 4722 will eliminate our ability to maintain our local process for ensuring the safety of the visitors who use these businesses. We urge lawmakers to vote down these bills as currently drafted and allow us to continue maintaining our local control life safety and community risk reduction in our community. Thank you very much, Michael.
1: Thank you, Chris, appreciate those comments. And next, as we continue our tour around the state, we have Michael Zender, who is the general manager of the Bavarian Inn Lodge uh, from Frankenmuth, Michigan, one of my favorite communities. And he'd like to have a few comments, Mike.
4: Thank you, Michael. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. Greetings from Frankenmuth, Michigan's Little Bavaria. As Mike said, my name's Michael Keller Zender. I'm a fourth generation family member of the Frankenmuth Bavarian Restaurant and Lodge. It's a full service, 360 guest room, family resort and conference center, and I serve as the Bavarian Lodge's general manager. Our family has been in the hospitality business since 1929 in Frankenmuth. Over these 90 plus years, our four generations of family members have grown our business from one restaurant to a company today with a hotel, several restaurants, and multiple shopping experiences. My family and I, we live in Frankenmuth. We work and play in Frankenmuth. We have a great town and it is because we have an unbelievable community spirit. We work together and have community standards. The standards range from Bavarian architectural theme throughout our downtown historical district to ordinances that regulate short term rentals. Both of the regulations above help maintain the same frankenmuth experience to millions of visitors over the past 50 years. That is why I'm here to join my colleagues in opposition to these bills as a hotelier and an owner of a short term rental in frankenmuth i'm here to say there is a role for short term rentals. In Frankenmuth, we have several short-term rentals in our central business district in town, and we have a few rentals spread throughout the various residential neighborhoods. To ensure the right balance of rentals in our city, our planning commission spent nearly a year developing new standards. Uh, The city studied best practices, they met with local CBB, they listened to public comment, and even met with every licensed short-term rental and bed and breakfast uh, owner before adopting a set of regulations. Uh, This planning ordinance was carefully crafted by the community at large. They thought profoundly and in the three years, this regulation has been in place. It has worked. It really has. It's disappointing that this bill would throw out years of practical and local control in favor of a total free for all. Uh, These bills nullify the work that the Frankmuth planning commission has done. It rejects the voices of our residents and it negates the Frankenmuth voters. So I stand opposed to these bills for the following uh, reasons. A cookie cutter approach to legislation that will impact every town in Michigan ignores the unique differences each of our cities face. I think we could all agree to that. Short term rentals are not residential use, just as one of my hotels is not a residential use. Visitors at short term rentals, just like hotels, are showing up every day for a couple of days in town. Visitors paying for short term use, whether at a hotel, apartment, a house, or condominium, are engaging in commerce, which is a business use. Short term rentals are similar to hotels in nature to the point that federal guidelines now stipulate that a short term rental needs to meet similar fire suppression methods as a hotel. Uh, Short term rentals also lack safety controls, which hotels have. In that there's no front desk clerk to enforce rules on noise, blight, or other problematic issues. These issues at short term rentals are usually passed on to the city to enforce, which costs the city resources, which costs the local taxpayer, as we all know. In Frankenmuth, our short term rental regulation has been very effective with enforcement and maintaining a healthy balance between residential and commercial uses. Throughout the state, there are many owners of short-term rentals who are not members of the community. Their short-term rental is located and only viewed uh, as an investment. It's only a a financial investment uh, uh, purely for financial gains. There's no intrinsic value to try to follow community rules. Fortunately, that's not the case in Frankenmuth, but I'm told other communities have had great difficulty because they do not have local standards in place yet, but they need the opportunity to do so. Finally, the current shortage of affordable housing, uh, whether renting or buying a home, this bill negatively impacts service workers employed by various businesses in Frankenmuth and across the state. According to Zillow, uh, the housing market is so tight in Frankenmuth as of this morning, there were only six homes for sale in our town. This bill would further exacerbate the shortage of housing available and make it further unattainable for our local workforce. Frankenmuth without doubt is a tourist town. I think you'd all agree to that as well but we are who we are because of our people. Converting our neighborhoods from homes to really tiny hotels will eat away at the fabric of our community. German missionaries in the 19th century founded our community and were primarily farmers and engaged in commerce. Then in the 20th century, we turned to tourism and in a big way and have continued to be successful at it. As we are moving forward in the 21st century, I hope that we don't let legislation like this ruin the culture of our community. Short-term rentals and hotels can coexist in communities, and there is a need for short-term rentals as I've stated before. But simply put, local government needs to have the opportunity to set standards that will benefit their community because there cannot be a cookie cutter approach across our great state. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to you this morning.
1: Thank you, Michael. Uh, Frankenmuth is a great community. It's one of my favorite places to go. And like your community, we have a lot of visitors in ours as well too, but we're two separate communities and with uh, with each unique uh, styles with regards to it. And each community, again, needs its own abilities to deal with short-term rentals. And the rules that apply in Frankenmuth may or may not make sense in Boyne City or in Copper Harbor and St. Joe. Um, so we all need to have unique abilities to tr- uh, challenge to deal with this opportunity and challenge. It's, it's like I said, it's not a one size fits all. And for some reason, I'm feeling like I want to have chicken for lunch today. So, <laughs> hey, um, at this time, we will be happy to open it up to any questions that our uh, guests from the media might have. And if you please use the raise hand option to uh, on Zoom, uh, we'll be glad to unmute you and try and address your
5: questions. Thank you. This is uh, Matt Bach at the Michigan Municipal League. One of the questions that we've received in the past from media and from members, probably from Michael Kane and for Yarrow is, you know, what would be the, what is the impact on this on the affordable housing or the attainable housing industry? Michael, I think you both, you and Yarrow both said that it would price out potential the workforce that that lives in your community that services the industry. How how would it, how does that happen? Why would the short term rentals impact that?
2: All right, so I think uh, right now, because we already have a lack of housing in our region, every new short-term rental that is created is taking an existing home off the market. And so I think we really need to address this on many levels, but there are some ways that we can creatively uh, look to zoning also to if there is going to be a new short-term rental created, to maybe allow an accessory dwelling unit or another unit uh, that a homeowner could either move to live in or, or could be rented out for a short-term rental. So we really are trying to preserve as much as we can the existing year-round housing stock. And uh, while we are trying to, of course, build as much as we can, um, you know we are in a, in a situation where it's really expensive to build. So anything we can do to, pervert, to create a balance between year-round housing and short-term rentals is even more important right now.
1: Okay, thank you. One of the comments I'd hit on that as well, Matt, uh, and again, this goes to the, the mixed bag type of things. Uh, with affordable, uh, with short-term rentals, uh, we've seen people that have invested in, you know, really make some significant improvements in, uh, in homes in town as well too, and that's a good thing. But it's also driven up property values, uh, much higher than they might've been normally Uh, because people are looking at these as investments um, and businesses rather than just residential. So not only do we have uh, housing leaving the market, uh, the housing that remains is much more cost prohibitive, And it gets to the issue that uh, Michael Zender was talking about where the people that we need to support the visitors are having a harder and harder time to find housing are, not, are basically having to leave our uh, communities and uh, live more on the peripheries or outside. Right? And, and that just exacerbates issues such as travel, getting to work and just uh, the whole affordability issue. So we wanna make sure that again, we find the balance that the that, that point city that people come here and the good experiences that they have when they are here, don't get hollowed out because we can't sustain the workforce that's necessary uh, to provide them a, a, a good visit,
6: Michael. We do have a question from uh, the Detroit Free Press. Uh, Dave, go ahead and ask your question. Hi, thanks for doing this today. I appreciate it. I just
7: wanted to clarify something that we that was said a little bit earlier about the concept of safety in these um, short-term rentals in the context of this bill. Because the way that I'm reading the bills that you've referenced today, it says that this section does not prohibit regulation. Applied on a consistent basis to things like inspections and inspection fees, number of people in a de- in a dwelling, and taxes otherwise permitted by law. Can, so, can you can somebody explain specifically how that portion of the bill would prevent, for example, the fire department from ensuring that there was safe egress out of the house?
0: Thanks for that question, Dave. Um, if you look at the language right above that section, um, it specifically states that. Uh, That regulation has to be applied on a consistent basis between um, owner occupied and rental um, dwellings; that they cannot be treated any differently. Um, And um, the fire inspector could speak to this better, but we don't local units of government. We don't inspect um, private homes. Um, those owner-occupied dwellings. No one comes in and sees if my smoke detectors are all working, if I have my carbon um, monoxide uh, detector plugged in and working. Um, so that is is where we have an issue when it comes to the inspection because anyone could change the terms of a lease to be less than 30 consecutive days. Now you would be defined as a short-term rental. And you wouldn't be able to be inspected unless those inspections are also happening to owner-occupied properties within that same zoning district.
5: So Jen, this is Matt. You're saying that a regular uh, apartment complex could change their lease agreements and therefore not have to do inspections under the way that it's possible. Um,
0: I think, Matt, your audio is a little choppy, but I think where you're going with that is the, the, the bill only applies to um, fourplexes not um, large um, multi-unit housing um, complexes. So it would be um, um, if there's you know a duplex, a townhouse, um, a fourplex, like I said, um, but really this is applying mostly in our single family residential neighborhoods is where we're having the issue.
7: I, I appreciate you, you clarifying that. And I had one more quick question and thank you for your, your patience on this. It's It's my understanding and I'm definitely not an expert that there are certain bans or moratoriums that are in place in communities around the state on short-term rentals on new short-term rentals coming into those communities so if those moratoriums are already in place now how would the short-term rentals affect the housing availability in those markets Uh,
0: that's another great question dave thank you for that um so i think what we're seeing is um there's far fewer um local units of government that are banning, um, outright banning short-term rentals. Um, Moratoriums are usually put in place when an issue has been brought forth and you need to study it. You need to, as um, City Manager um, Michael Kane indicated how much time and effort went into gathering public comment and then studying. You need data to look at what's the saturation points within those neighborhoods So a moratorium is used in that instance um, and so that a decision can be made um, thoughtfully and not just quickly. Um, I'm glad you asked this question because the league does not believe that any community should be outright banning short-term rentals. Um, And so we are actually working on um, some legislation that would propose just that. It would say that communities cannot uh, ban short-term rentals and that it would also define a short-term rental as more of a short term vacation rental so that every property owner has the opportunity to rent their property a few times a year if they so choose. So if you have someone who's just looking to help with their property taxes or the upkeep and maintenance of their property or someone in the case of they live in a tourist community and there's a festival coming down and the population um, doubles, they can get out of town and they can also make some money at the same time. Um, We think that is very reasonable. We think that is a middle ground that all stakeholders in this issue should be able to agree with. People having the ability um, to rent, but then it also draws a bright line to those um, individuals or companies that are out there purchasing multiple single family dwellings and just running vacation rental businesses out of them.
1: Jennifer, if if I could just jump in a sec, going back to Dave's earlier question with regards to safety. And I think the comparison between or the, the attempt to regulate short term rentals just at, or limited communities to regulate short term rentals just the way we re- uh, regulate um, you know, a single family home. I think it's, it's a false dichotomy because, you know, I live in my home if something untoward happens, you know, if there's a fire or something like that, I know to, how to get out of there. And the level of intensity that I use in my home, or we see in most of our homes in Boeing City, Michigan, from a family that's there, uh, you know, that's there living there year round is a lot less intense generally than people that are coming up for a weekend that are basically, they're not familiar with the house if an emergency arises. Uh, They may not know the quickest ways in or out, things of that nature, or what alarms or alarms they don't have. Um, And there's usually a lot more people that are coming up there to have a good time. And we wanna make sure they have that good time safely. So to have a comparison that, geez, unless you regulate church rentals exactly the same way that you rent, regulate uh, a single family home, I think it may put people in jeopardy. And we certainly don't wanna see an unfortunate incident where some people's lives are lost because there wasn't the proper safety equipment or ways for them to get in and out or whatever the emergency might be. So I think there's a real difference there. And to lump them all the same, I think, is a disservice to everybody involved.
6: Great. Uh, next up, we have Jennifer Wilson. Um, go ahead, Jennifer.
8: Hi. So uh, a couple questions. My main question, though, is about whether these regulations this housing shortage, as I think I heard somebody else mention, it's been happening for a long time. I mean, there's studies from 2014 and 2015 in a number of cities here in Michigan that talked about action needed to be taken back then to create affordable housing. So um, I guess I'm just curious as to, you know, why or, or how you think these short-term rentals now are part of the problem or would solve the problem when this is a problem that has been happening for a long time and has been coming for a long time. Uh, And I know that there's a number of Airbnb hosts that can afford the house they live in because they are making a decent amount of income. Using it as an Airbnb, prop, you know, property, then they go and stay, you know, in another relative's home or something while they're renting it out. So I'm just curious why why you think this would solve it the problem of the housing shortage, and I, I, I guess, yeah, what, do you, is this something that you think realistically is going to solve this housing shortage problem when it's been something that's been building and coming for so long?
1: Let me let me. Address if I can, uh, I don't think addressing the short term uh, rental issue is going to solve the housing issue. This is a multifaceted thing. And we're seeing uh, the housing situation, which has been a problem, uh, especially in many places in uh, Northwest uh, Lower Peninsula, Traverse City area, things of that narr- narrative, for many years, it's becoming much more acute recently. There is no housing stock available in Boyne city. Kind of like what Michael Zender talked about in Frankenhoof with his six homes. There's nothing available now. I mean, we've had this issue before, but not at the level that we're having it now. So is short-term being able to properly regulate potentially short-term rental going to solve the affordable housing uh, issue? No, but as we're trying to add additional short-term housing to our portfolio of housing in Boyne City, if we keep losing houses and to short-term rentals quicker than we're adding them, the hole just keeps getting deeper and deeper. So we again, that's the trick of trying to find that balance on an, on an economy. And Boyne City isn't like Fenton, Michigan or any other community. You know, we know that balance here a little bit better, we think, than one size fits all at the state level. So uh, there are two issues, they're related solving the short-term rental issue or being able to regulate that locally will not fix the housing issue. We're still going to have that challenge there. Uh, And I'm going to turn it over to uh, Yarrow. Let me just switch the camera there and she might have some comments on that. Yarrow Brown from Housing North. One moment, please.
2: Thank you, Michael. I guess I concur with what you say and I think really we just need to create a a better balance and allow more opportunities to increase our existing housing stock uh, if there are going to be short-term rentals. So I think really it is It has increased uh, a lot since uh, the pandemic and we've been able to track some of those numbers and I think Boyne City is one of the cities, you know, that has seen an increase recently. So, um, not all of our communities are experiencing that, but we do want to make sure they have the data and the tools available to be able to create that balance.
8: So, uh, thank you so much for that. I, I, I am curious because, you know, and obviously you all are the experts, but in my mind, if people are using short-term rentals, they're vacationing and they're spending money and you're getting more money coming into your economy. So wouldn't, I, I guess if the issue, so, so I guess I, I have a hard time sort of rectifying that if more money's coming to the economy, then it seems like businesses are actually making more money and potentially pay people more, right? And then you know the, the way the living wage is increasing. So I guess I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing how I, understanding you know how, the, how this is part of a problem when in my mind it, it seems like it's bringing money into your community.
1: There's no doubt about that and that's where I said that you know short-term rentals are you know it's, it's, it's not all good it's not all bad it's trying to find that proper balance you're correct I mean having those abilities and having those options for people You know, it it makes some housing affordable for people to buy, to have as a second home, or maybe even keep as their primary home. Uh, It does help support our businesses in our community as well too. No one here in Boyne City, and I think in many of these communities are looking to ban short-term rentals, is trying to find that, because they do see the many of the positive things that it brings to their communities as well too. It's trying to find that proper balance on a community by community basis to what is necessary to sustain that community, to sustain it long-term, to make sure that we have people growing up in our communities that are living in the communities and going to the schools in the communities and things of that nature, so that we have the place that they want to live. You're right, Uh, there's no doubt that they bring money to the communities, and that's a good thing. The improvements they make to some of our properties are a good thing too, but we want to make sure that there's that proper balance, that too much of a good thing doesn't
0: kill the goose. And I would just add Jennifer that, you know, housing challenges are very complex and we can't oversimplify the issue um, that these individuals are just bringing money into a community. Um, There's a cost associated with those visitors and um, there is not a a taxation piece that goes back to that local municipality to help with um, an uptick in public safety or infrastructure use, um, and so we just, you know, I, I just don't want to oversimplify it that it's it's bringing money in, and and that sh- that's a good thing, um, because again, housing challenges are very complex and they're very unique to um, those communities and those regions throughout the state. And I just want to reiterate that everyone on this call um, that you've heard from today is in support of short-term rentals and recognizes their importance in their communities. Um, But they need to be reasonably regulated. um, If an issue has arose that um, is, you know, causing people to talk about them, local elected officials need to be able to react to their citizens and their businesses. And the legislation, um, Senate Bill four four six and House Bill forty seven twenty two, ties the hands of local officials to be able to do anything. when their constituents, their citizens are bringing
8: something forward. Thank you so much.
6: All right, I'm gonna read a question from Bill with 9 and 10 News. Uh, he doesn't have a microphone available. So um, here's this question. Uh, this has been an issue for years in Northern Michigan with the current em- employment needs we are seeing and concerns over what some call a labor shortage. Is the short-term rental issue any more important this year um, than ever before? Are we at a tipping point? How critical is it in your
0: view? I think it's very critical. Um, it's not that um, this issue is any more important this year than it was last year. Um, I think this is an issue that um, we are continually seen coming up um, before the legislature. Um, and that the league has spent hours and hours sitting at a table trying to negotiate a middle ground that, again, doesn't allow the outright banning of short-term rentals, allows every property owner the ability to short-term rent on a limited basis when it is, again, an accessory use of their dwelling, of their home or their second home, Um, that it's not something that is a business picking up um, single-family homes off of the market and turning them into vacation rental businesses. Um, So we would like nothing more than to um, have uh, a solution that works for property owners, works for realtors, works for local units of government, um, and in, is really a negotiated middle ground. It's not, again, big government with a one size fits all telling locals this is what you should do, especially when for the last year, 15 months, we've listened to it's very important to have local context. Local, it's different depending on where you are in the state should not have a one-size-fits-all. Yet, right before us, the legislature is pushing a solution that's a one-size-fits-all in local government.
6: Excellent, thank you. Uh, Next, we have Karen Usher with Cadillac News. Karen. Hi,
0: thank you. I can appreciate um, the desire not to have a one-fits-all Um, solution, but, you know, some local municipalities have never adopted regulations at all specific to short-term rentals, and I'm kind of, you know, wondering why shouldn't the state legislature take the lead if the um, local municipalities are just going to sit on it? So, locals shouldn't be regulating short-term vacation rentals if they're not an issue in their community. There's no reason to put regulations in place if they're not having any trouble um, with it. So we would encourage locals to only be reasonably regulating these when they have to react to something. Um, there's many communities like the city of Ferndale. And as you heard um, from the city manager here in Boyne City, they're going down the path of looking at the issue and deciding, do we do something? And if we do, what makes most sense for our community? Um, so um, I hear what you're saying, Karen, but you know, again, if you're if this is not an issue in your community. Why would you regulate it?
1: Again, every, every community is different. Uh, As as Jennifer just mentioned in Boeing city, we have not, we have chosen not to regulate it up to this point. Uh, But as the issue continues to grow, we're looking at it at the issue more seriously and trying to gather the appropriate data to determine what, if anything makes the most sense for Boeing city. And again, Boyne City is a lot different than most every other community in in this state. We have three cities in Charlevoix County that are all at different points with regards to short-term rentals. And that's just in one county and we're all on the same lake together. Uh, So each community needs to be able to take a look at this differently. As Jennifer mentioned, if it's not a problem um, or if you have specific problems, each community should be able to regulate to deal with those issues or if they don't have it, I agree with Jennifer. You know, we don't put laws on the books just to have laws on the books. If there isn't a problem, we don't need to fix it.
6: Great question, um, Mike at MERS News. I'll go to you next.
1: Uh, yeah, the the proponents of uh, this legislation uh, say that um, there are communities that are banning uh, short-term rentals outright. Are you aware of uh, communities that have actually banned them? And how many communities uh, are doing this? I, I, I've i looked around and I can't find actual bans. Um, are you aware of them?
0: Um, so I think, Mike, your question, you kind of have nailed that right there, is that there's a lot of talk that communities are outright banning this, and this is why we need this very restrictive, one-size-fits-all. Um, we, too, um, are... With our members um, not aware, our members are sharing their regulations with us and how what they're doing is working in their communities and how these bills would undo their ability to continue um, down the path of what has been working uh, so far over the last, you know, 5, 10, two years. Um, This is a different issue in different communities. So, uh, we're, we agree with you. We're not finding that there is a proliferation of communities out there just outright banning this use. Um, and again, the alternative approach that we are presenting um, to the legislature is that communities would not be able to outright ban. Uh, we would have language in a bill that specifically says um, that you cannot ban short term rentals.
5: Thank you. All right. Someone, um, okay. Go ahead, Josh. No,
6: go ahead. I, I, was, I was just going to ask if there are any other further questions. From-
5: I was just going to ask one uh, about just the, the, you know, one of the things that uh, we've heard from uh, some of our communities and, is that there's corporations coming in uh, and, and buying up a lot of homes and, and kind of changing the makeup of the neighborhoods. Uh, Jen, could you explain a little bit what that is and, and, and how prevalent that is, if you know?
0: Um, well, if you um, if you look at the testimony in the House uh, Commerce and Tourism Committee or the Senate Regulatory Reform Committee last week on uh, testimony of this bill, um, there were two individuals that testified in support. They were both running vacation rental businesses. They were not individuals that were um, looking to rent their home or their second home a couple of times a year to be able to to make just a little bit of extra money or help pay for their property taxes. They were buying up multiple single family homes in one community to uh, make many unregulated bed and breakfasts out of them. They are running vacation rental businesses out of them. They do not want to be um, regulated as a commercial use because then they are um, a little bit more on par with um, other lodging. industries um, or your traditional lodging when it comes to regulation. Um, They are also not wanting to be capped in a neighborhood where, uh, as Matt, as you kind of indicated, once you start to, um, there is a tipping point. But again, in every community that's going to be a little different. Um, The person that goes to work every day and comes home to hang their hat and wants to relax in their home that they purchased their forever home to raise their family. when next door, maybe across the street, maybe a couple of homes across the street next door has new people every weekend, every week during um, our high tourist season. Um, Those individuals uh, have rights too when it comes to the property rights issue. And so uh, while we do not have exact data on this, I think talking to communities, the communities you're in, the communities you know that are destination areas they will be able to tell you what's going on. St. Joe, South Haven, Grand Haven, uh, Boyne City, uh, these are all communities that are doing what works best for their community in this situation. And they're trying again not to ban short-term rental vacation rentals. They've acknowledged how important these um, visitors are to their, their economy, but they also need to have a balance of housing for, to fit all the household needs in their community.
4: All right,
6: do we have any other questions from folks on the media? Seeing none, uh, we can let everyone get on with their day. Um, If you have any follow-up questions, please let me know. We will be sending out a news release. That release will include quotes very similar to what you've heard today, plus a link to the MML short-term rental information page um, and if you would like any one-on-ones with any of our speakers today, please um, don't hesitate to reach out. We'll do our best to coordinate. Thank you. Laura, for
5: Thank you everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Josh.
3: <laughs> this has been a production of the Michigan Municipal League. For more information on our programs and services, please visit www.mml.org and join us for the next episode of We Love Where You Live.